Hello listeners, welcome to Face Reality. My name is Irvin Hill and I'll be your host this evening. And I'd like to talk about uh, something that's extremely uh, disturbing been around since generation from generation, since the world had begun. And that word is lust. And that lust has ran rampant throughout this world from the church to the family. And it has caused a lot, a lot of problems from murder, deceit, to lies, to setting someone up because they don't want to be with you, and many, many more that we could talk about. And I'm quite sure all of you have heard this little phrase, it's okay to look, but don't touch. <laughs> Well, we all have learned that uh, that's not true because looking leads to a lot more. And let's just say one of them that becomes distrust because as your spouse or as your partner would say, what are you doing when I'm not with you? And they will have the right to ask that question. And many times, uh, we know most are going to tell a lie. So we know that's not true. And let's see what Jesus said about that. Matthews 5, 27 and 28. Condemn feelings of lust experienced by a man's toward a woman. In the King James Version, Jesus recorded as saying, Yea, have heard that it was said by them of old times. Thou shalt not commit adultery, but I say unto you that whosoever looketh on a woman to lust after her had committed adultery with her already in his heart. There it is, plain and simple. So there's no excuse of someone telling you that it's okay to look and not touch. We all know that's not true. Our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ just pointed blank told us <laughs> you already committed a sin already before you've done anything is already happening in your heart. And let's dive in and see how man usually generalizes what lust is. Sexualizing others or lusting as it is more common known occurs when we assign a sexual character or quality to someone other than ourselves. Most often when we sexualize other people, it means that in that moment we are viewing them as a sexual object and not as a whole person. Lust is sexual uh, justification, pure and simple. Lust is seeing someone through the lens of a body parts and sexualized fantasies rather than a, as a whole person that you care about beyond sexual realm. Has that ever happened to you or someone in your family or someone outside your family or someone in the church, your neighbor? But it does happen since the beginning of time and it's still happening now. Let's continue. To socialize someone in your head and this way is actually a norm, normal and healthy trait for all humans. 
yes, even the monogamous married ones. It is natural, even if you are already in a relationship, to sometimes project unto others your desires and needs and to fantasize about how someone might meet those desires and needs. And this is unlikely to be problematic as long as you don't act on these thoughts without thinking them through. So if you are in a relationship, taking in the moment, action based on lust is probably a bad idea. And I'm quite sure we all can uh, relate to that, that it was a bad idea and you can't take it back. But the thing is, it learn from it. You can't regret it, but learn from it because you act on it. So we have to move forward in life. It's difficult for most of us, but we have to do what we need to do to move forward. And some of these things are, cannot be uh, removed from you until you've repented these things and you go to Christ, you go to the Father and ask the Father for forgiveness and our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ's name. The only way it's going to happen, but you have to mean it in your heart in order for it to take place. Because you're not fooling the Father. He knows. He examines the heart. So let's not even think about playing with him when you know your desire is to go right back and do it again. Not cool. Let's move on. Many of the problems we sexual uh, many make this thing. Many of the problems with sexualization arises when sexualizing our feelings. But what does it mean to sexualize our feelings? How does that differ from healthy arousal? Sexualizing feelings appear to be rooted in early attachment trauma. Early in life, some people learn to use sexual fantasies and experience as a form of emotional coping, self-soothing, and self-regulation. When such people experience strong stressors and uncomfortable feelings, they use sexualization and sexual fantasies to cope. In this respect, the concept of sexualizing our feelings is very similar to the concept of eating our feelings. When experiencing intolerable and emotional discomfort, individuals may turn toward pleasurable sexual fantasies, sometimes act upon, sometimes not, simply to feel better for them. Highly rewarding and pleasurable sexual fantasies serve the psychological functions of emotional escape. Hmm, I'm quite sure a lot of us have been through that and family members and friends and people you may know in church are going through this. Let's move on. Typically, sexualization as a coping skill is learned in childhood and linked to early life attachments, trauma. When children don't have reliable, healthy caregivers who teach them to emotionally self-regulate in healthy ways, they look elsewhere, and their options may include lust and sexual fantasies. For such people, lust offers more than monetary thrill of arousal. 
It also offers a secondary gain of self-regulation and emotional distraction. Wow. Man is something else. Over time, acting upon our naturally occurring and healthy sexual feelings as a way of internal stressors can be unproductive and highly problematic. Even those who sexualize others to feel a sense of control over them are using fantasies to cope with their feelings and potentially unhealthy ways. Healthy people learn to emotionally lean into other people for comfort, not objects, fantasies, or behavior. Healthy people create and maintain meaningful families, friendships, and communities of support, and they turn to those people when they are feeling emotionally dis dysregulated. And guess what? By making themselves vulnerable and leaning into these supportive connections, they invariably feel better. Unfortunately, not everyone learns that skills in their early life Countless people learn thanks to childhood caregivers who cannot consistently be relied upon to provide needed emotional support that they must self-soothe and emotionally regulate in their ways. Some turn to food or substance, while others choose to sexualize and overturn over time, especially if lust becomes a go-to a go-to coping skill. What work initially can create serious life problems. And it works. Lux becomes a problem when we cross the line from momentarily sexual attractions to sexualized people and experience as a way to control depression, anxiety, loneliness, boredom, and unsolved early life trauma and unmet adult life need. In other words, lust becomes a problem when you use it to control our feelings and therefore our interactions with the connection with to others. When this happens, life can become more focused on sexual fantasies than on reality. And boy, is that a potential problem for anyone who seeks or commits to monogamous relationships unfortunately people who utilize sexual desires and fantasies as a primary coping mechanism can lose touch with the real world and the actual people in it they can lose their ability to connect and to be intimate in meaningful ways instead of being a part of they become apart from worst of all they do not get their deeper needs to feel loved, supported, and connected met. They may avoid even trying to get those needs met, and that makes them deep down feel even worse about themselves. That says a lot. That says a whole lot, listeners. And uh, we have a we have really 
settle a cover a lot there on on lust and, and how it affects the the relationship, the families, the mind, uh how we cope and basically uh deal with, you know, lust. And we find many ways to deal with it and, and you know, people deal with it in uh through drugs, through sex through acting out and, and, and rages, any time trying to combat it any way they can, but usually it goes back to a uh sexualized fantasy. And uh I like to hear you guys' thoughts on this because it's a deep, deep subject and uh but we know that uh the word of God says a lot more uh, about it than what man says about it. God says a, a lot more. It's a lot deeper. And it's to the point that's basically calls it what it is. And here's, uh, let's take a look at, uh, let's take a look at, uh, uh, my thoughts. You know, this is a very disturbing, uh, subject to me. Uh, Where Jesus talked to us, us uh, about uh, who your father is. And I'm quite sure most of you remember this in uh, John 8 and 44. And he told him, you know, about, you know, uh, you of your father. And let's read that because uh, this is heavy on my mind. And I'm quite sure on you, you guys' mind that it has... Uh, been throughout your family and and others that you know that it has destroyed and it will be a a great uh support of the church would dive deeper into this and and, and educate people more about this uh, how strong this weapon is that satan is using and he's been using since the beginning of time and he's not gonna stop because it's so potent and let's see what jesus said in 844 as he was talking to those leaders. You are of your father, the devil, and the lust of your father ye would do. He was a murderer from the beginning, and abode not in the truth, because there is no truth in him. When he speaketh a lie, he speaketh of his own. He is a liar, and the father of it. So here we are, listen to what Jesus said. He distinguished, Distinct, he, he did a distinction between the heavenly father and the earthly father. And he basically said, your father to them, he says, is the devil. And if you take a look at that verse, that scripture, where do you see yourself at? Is the heavenly father your father? Or is Satan that walks this earth to and fro seeking to devour is your father? Are you carrying out the acts that Satan wants you to do? Think about it. Now, Jesus to the point, no plan around, straight to the point and told him who your father is. Now, listening to that, we have a choice to make. Either it's going to be the heavenly father or it's going to be this earthly father. Don't make it too late. Don't hesitate. Make a choice.
Because the scriptures are dead on. Totally different than what man talks about it. Why he generalizes it. The scriptures go to the point, call it what it is. And Jesus was no wimp. He was to the point. As they tried to portray him and movies and, and television as though he was wimpy. No, our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ was not a wimp. He was very bold and to the point when it came down to the things that were concerning God. And the scriptures were nothing to play around with. So let's dive into a little bit more, go and dive into the scriptures and, and, and see what they say about lust. Most words in the Bible that are translated, lust means a passionate desire, strong desire can be either good or bad, depending upon the object of that desire and the motive behind it. God created the human heart with the capacity for a passionate desire so that we would long after him and his righteousness. Look at Psalms 42, 1 through 2, 73 and 25. However, the concept of lust is now usually associated with a passionate desire for something God has forbidden. And the word is seen synonymous with sexual or metallic desire. James 1, 14-15 Give us the natural progression of unstrained lust. Each person is tempted when they are dragged away by their own evil desire and enticed. Then after the desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin and sin and when it's fully grown, give birth to death. Straight to the point. <laughs> Not the way man talks about it, but the way God talks about it is to the point in telling you, <laughs> change, turn or burn. Let's move on. According to this passage, sinful lust begins with an evil desire. Being tempted by evil is not the sin. Jesus was tempted Matthews 4 and 1, the sin begins when the evil desire drags us away from where our hearts need to be. When an evil desire introduces itself, we have a choice. We can reject it as Jesus did and refocus on the path God has set before us. Matthews 4 and 10, or we can entertain it. As someone once said, we we cannot stop the bird from flying overhead, but we don't have to let them make a nest in our hair. When temptation beckons, we need to remember that we are not helpless. We can choose to give in or to resist. Resist. So we can basically do what the instruction tells us. Submit ourselves to God. And the devil will flee. Give us pure instructions. We just have to follow. The reason we are dragged away by temptation is that we are enticed. The world in the Greek refers to bait as on a fishing line. When a fish sees the wiggling worm, 
He is enticed by it and grabs hold. Once the hook is set, he cannot be dragged away. Or he can be dragged away. When we encounter in temptation, we should immediately reject it as Joseph did when he was tempted by Potiphar's wife. Genesis 39, 11 and 12. Hesitation opens the door to enticement. Romans 13 and 14 calls such hesitation making provision for the flesh like the unwary fish. We grab hold of the tempting thought, believing it will delight and fulfill us. We savor the fantasy, imagine new and sinful scenarios, and entertain the idea that God has not provided all we need for happiness. Genesis 3, 2-4 This is foolish. Second Timothy 2 and 22 says, Flee youthful lusts. To flee means to take off immediately. Joseph did not stick around to consider his, <laughs> his options. He recognized sexual temptation and he ran. When we hesitate, we make provision for the flesh and give it the opportunity to choose evil. Often, we are overwhelmed by its power. Samson was physically strong man, yet he was no match for his own lust. Judges 16 and 1. Show you how strong the lust is. Very, very strong. The next step is the downward progression of temptation, according to James 1. Is that desire conceived? Lust belongs as a seed, a thought packed with wrong desire. If we allow the seed of lust to germinate, they will sprout into something bigger more powerful, more deceitful, more, I'm sorry, more difficult to uproar or to uproot, uproot. Temptation becomes sin when it is allowed to germinate. Desire takes on life of its own and become lust. Jesus made it clear that lust is sin even if we do not physically act on it. Matthews 5, 27, 28. Our hearts are God's domain. And when we allow evil to grow, there we defile his temple. 1 Corinthians 3, 16, 6 and 19. Wrong desires plague every human being. The Ten Commandments forbids coveting, which means lusting for something that is not ours. Deuteronomy 5 and 21, Romans 13 and 9. The human heart is constantly seeking to please itself and when it discovers something or someone it believes will satisfy, lust begins. It is only when our hearts are dedicated to the glory of God that we can overcome intrusive desires and conquer lust. When we surrender to the Lord, we find our needs met in a relationship with Him. We must take every thought captive to the obedience of Christ. 2 Corinthians 10 and 5 We must allow the Holy Spirit to keep our thoughts where He wants them to be. It helps to pray daily the word of Psalms 19 and 14. Let 
the words of our mouth and the meditation of our hearts acceptable in your sight, our Lord, my rock and my redeemer. When our heart's desire is to be please God more than ourselves, we can lust at we can keep lust at bay. So our desire should be after God in order to be able to combat lust. How many of us truly desire God on a daily basis? And he's always on our mind. Even when we are walking or talking or we at work, is God on our mind for most of us? Even when we walk through the church doors, is God really on our mind for most of us? Or is our mind somewhere else? Or we're so easy to be enticed by someone texting you while you sit in the pews. And all of a sudden you get that text telling you to come over right now. Right now, the lustful words have come through your phone. And how you act on that is going to determine your future. Do you sit in that pews and listen to the pastor keep preaching and receive what he's saying? Or do you throw that finger up and excuse yourself to get outside claiming you're going to go to the bathroom and you're on the phone? Talking to that female or talking to that man. And before you know it, you're out the door. Lust is extremely strong. Basically telling you over the phone, choose me or the church. <laughs> Many of us have chose that person. Whether they want to admit it or not, I'm quite sure some of you listeners know someone like that. Family or friends. But we can come out of this through desiring our Father, our Son, our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, and the Holy Spirit. You can combat this. Because there's nothing that you bring before God that He can't handle. Who knows all things, sees all things. His thoughts are not of our thoughts. So. Instead of running to someone else about your problem, go to God first. Because you cannot fight this lust on your own. It's too strong. And we have committed a lot of unthinkable, unthinkable acts and created a lot of sin in our lives and left footprints of sin for the devil to follow us. All it takes is one little crack and he's in there. And it's going to keep priming it open. And before you know it, all those things that you didn't repent about are coming back to the forefront. And that goes for me as well. As I'm talking, I'm talking to me as well. Because I'm human just like you are. So I have to go to the Father, go to the Son, go to the Holy Spirit. And I have to talk to God about my situations and ask him to take these things away from me in the name of Jesus Christ because I can't do it by myself it's so strong and you can't do it by yourself so all these things that I brung out and there's a lot more that can be brung out of this and I'm looking forward to you guys thoughts your opinions Please feel free to leave me a voice message. 
and you can ask questions. And I'd like to know what you're thinking about this and has it affect your families. And you don't have to go personal with me on that, but uh, how did you combat it and how did you overcome it if these things, you didn't been through these things? And is your church preaching on these things and talking against these things? And I can say this here that in order for us to, to move forward, we have to repent. And all of us was called to repent and we can't get out of it. And Acts 2 and 38, King James, verse 38. Then Peter said unto them, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the remission of our sins, and ye shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. For the promise is unto you and your children. And to all that are afar off, even as many as the Lord our God shall call. So, we all call to repent and be baptized. And be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. And if you haven't, you need to get it done. And if you have doubts about being baptized wrong, get it done. But get it done under, under Acts 2 and 38. Do it the right way. And I'd like to know you guys' thoughts. And I appreciate your time of listening. For there's so much to learn and so much to teach. But we're put here for the sake of one another, not just for ourselves. And we should be teaching one another. We should not let the enemy of this world be our father. Because we know what that's leading to. And I thank you guys for this opportunity to be able to speak to you. For I am also open ears to your thoughts. As long as your thoughts are scriptures, not your opinion. Not my opinion, but what God says about it. And I'm looking forward to hearing what you got to say. Feel free to leave those that, that voice message. It's been my time. I thank you. God bless. Love y'all in the name of our Lord, Savior, Jesus Christ.